is and uh, welcome to it. We are uh, we're ready to go. Employment Law Show. This is the show for you. Seriously, don't let it linger. Don't uh, listen to your neighbor Steve or some other guy at work who says, oh, I know employment law. It's all good. No, no. Stan Fainzelberg is here, courtesy uh, employmentlawyer.ca, Stan Fury to Market, LLP. I want to reach out to Stan anytime as well. You can do so. Standing by 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you will have the option, of course, anytime, freely and anonymously to use pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That's the website we always go to. Lots of useful, uh, useful information built into that website. That's why it was done that way, so you can learn stuff. And you'll have access to the severance calculator as well. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, anytime you would like. We've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of emails to get through on the show today. But Stan, brother, we always start off with the case of the day. Something you've been working on, pal. What, uh, what do you got for us today? Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, good to hear from you, John. Uh, today, I want to talk about a case that has actually been in the news. Some some of our listeners may have read about it. It was about a, uh, a teaching assistant in British Columbia who had lost her job because of some social media posts uh, that came to the, the teaching uh, school's attention. Really, and, the, and the, the interesting thing here is really these were obviously so private social media posts, not something shared. And they originated from an OnlyFans account that this teacher maintained, which she said she needed to have because it was the only way she could frankly afford to live in British Columbia and to supplement her income. Uh, really, there was nothing in the in the school's policies that addressed something so specific, but ultimately they chose to suspend her and uh, went further than that. Once she went public with the story and her grievances because she was unionized, John, uh, the school ultimately decided to terminate her for breach of confidentiality, uh, disparaging the school, and uh, just capitalizing on what they say was the attention that she was getting by breaching confidentiality. Uh, so that is you know, a very interesting case in my view. It's being, as I mentioned, handled by a union which has apparently grieved it, and that is going to an arbitration at some point. But this is a, you know, one of the first cases that I'm aware of, John, in which a person has been terminated for cause specifically based on their social media posts. There have been a couple of cases in which this has come up in the past, in which somebody's posted things about face, uh, on Facebook that uh, it, because of their association with their employer has come back to the employer and they were terminated without cause. But as we all know, you know, you can terminate anybody without cause for anything that's not discriminatory and terminating somebody for a social media post would certainly not qualify as discriminatory. Uh, so this is what, a really interesting case and one that seems like it will actually get to a decision and provide uh, some case law at, right at a time when you know, there isn't this interplay happening between the private and the public sphere in the, in the digital domain and how much of a person's private life really impacts a person's or sorry a person's public life when it comes to their employment in this case at least you know it led to this person losing their job for cause is isn't is only fans a um how do i put this i'm not i don't know what an only fan site is <laughs> is it something where they have less clothing than they normally would have on is that is, is that a good way to put it is is it basically uh, a porn it, it, not quite to that extent, but I mean, I think there's a range uh, on there. I'm not super. I'm not going to say I'm super familiar with it either. But you know, let's call it Instagram with a paywall of sorts, where you know you can pay to uh, get a subscription with these people. And that's what essentially she was doing. She was selling subscriptions 
uh, to her site for you know with photos and things like that. But again, it is behind the paywall, and she was never really advertising it. it you know, she, as I think, she, as I understand, she used an alias, so she would try you know not to have that association with again her public life. Alias is in a different name, right? Which doesn't matter in the internet because it's all visual. But whatever, same face. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, how about tutoring? How about tutoring? <laughs> Maybe might be an idea. If I mean, if if you were. I know this is union, but it, say it was the the public sphere, yeah. and you were her lawyer. What would you? I mean, what, where would you start well, with this, you know, Dan? How would you? How would you? How would you go about I mean, dealing I think with this one? It's a difficult case to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's difficult to assess and interesting, right? Because in a lot of ways, you know, you, I did mention the discriminatory element, and to some degree, it it does feel discriminatory the way they're approaching it, because obviously there's there's a gender specific you know aspect here. Um, they, the accusations they've made, like she, one thing that she did was post uh, a photo of herself on TikTok wearing a, a schoolgirl outfit, which, you know, this, I don't even think this was related to OnlyFans. This was just like a Halloween thing. But they essentially, you know, said that she was promoting sexuality in relation to her role as a teacher. And, and to me, I mean, that seems a little bit outlandish for one. But also to some degree, you know, there seem to be discriminatory elements there because the way they, they're approaching it entirely is through a gender specific lens. So I would argue it that way, firstly. And then secondly, I mean, you know, thinking of it as if you think of this type of work as work, which legally speaking, it absolutely is. There's no mm -hmm. prohibition on on sexual work in Canada. You know, then if somebody had a second job, why would they lose it? Why would they lose their first job because they had a second job unless there was a prohibition on them working there you know the only thing here that really changes the perspective is this just ickiness that, that you feel around this idea and obviously the the type of work but from a legal perspective i'm not sure that necessarily changes the framework that much it, it is work it is it's an unrelated to her first work there's no prohibition on her first work and again i do feel like there are gender elements being kind of uh, exploited here to some degree. Will we uh, will we be privy to how this thing plays out over the next few weeks or months anyway? Well, if it gets to a decision, I, I think that it's certainly been in the news. She's gone to yeah. various news outlets, and at this point it's going to be hard to, to keep it out of the news unless they come to some agreement with her. I think if it gets to a decision, it's probably something that we will hear about. And again, it's it's one of those interesting first cases that's going to define the boundaries between yeah. the public and private sphere, I think, to some degree. Good call. Let's uh, look forward to see what comes out, uh, what flushes out from all this. We'll take a short break, guys, to get into some emails here. As promised, we continue with more of the Employment Law Show. Hang in there. And welcome back to it. Yeah, we'll get into some email here that's been stacking up a little bit. So let's uh, machete our way through these. Uh, Stan, number one, as mentioned, Jacob writes, since this guys was on a disability leave, when my company restructured our department and let go 20 people, including me, are they allowed to terminate me if I'm on a disability leave? Mm -hmm. Well, Jacob, the, the key distinction you have to recognize here is the difference between being terminated while on a disability leave and being terminated because right. uh, of your disability. Because, you know, of course, they're not allowed to terminate you if, if the reason that you're being terminated in any way is a result or relates to your disability. But if, it, if it's a situation where they're doing a mass termination, like eliminating your department, for example, and your job happens to be part of that uh, termination, that mass termination, 
Well, that, that's not discrimination because it's not targeted necessarily at you for because of your disability. It, it's just part of a mass termination. And under that sort of circumstance, they are allowed to terminate you, even if you're on a disability leave at the time. So let's take a little, let's, let's just go a little bit sideways on that, uh, that email from Jacob. If it wasn't a restructuring, a firing of 20 people, if they took him back or at least he came back to work after the disability and they've got him in a different job, can they do that? They can to some degree. So it, okay. it, what the ESA Employment Standards Act actually requires is that they provide you with your job or a comparable job. Because it recognizes that sometimes when a person's been away for a very long time, you know, it's not feasible to put them in their exact job. Uh, somebody may be doing it at that point. Uh, they may have restructured. That job may not exist, for example. So that's why the requirement is to give them their job or a comparable job. Does a comparable job, uh, Stan, also mean um, like commensurate income? They can't give the guy a pay drop, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the easiest ways to tell if a job is frankly comparable is to look at the income structure. So if it's if they're dropping it by 20, 30, 40 percent, I mean, that's just a a constructive dismissal, essentially. Again, the email address help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can use that anytime. That's where we're uh, grabbing these emails from. But we still have open lines all open, actually. 416-870-6400. Call us in the station now and uh, verbalize your questions. That'd be uh, that'd be kind of cool. Blaine is up next as uh, guys I'm in sales. Just got terminated after closing the largest account of my career. Now the company is trying to tell me I'm not entitled to the commission payment, which is well over 20K because their policy says I have to be actively working on the date the company receives the funds from the client. Are they allowed to do this? You know, I, I see this happen all the time. Yeah, I, John, bet. Where I bet. Whether it's a commissions payment or, you know, a big bonus check. Or some something that the company is dangling out in front of you to incentivize you to work that extra mile, and and then they you know they pull that rug right out from under you at the last second and point to this policy and they say, well, you got to be actively employed, and you you're not here, so we can't we're not going to pay it to you. We don't have to. That's what our policy says. That's what you, Blaine, apparently agreed to. Uh, and the reality is, John, that's nowhere near that simple. I mean, if it's just a, if the language, if all it says is that someone has to be actively employed on the date of the payout, let's say. Well, there, a very recent Supreme Court case dealt with exactly that kind of language and specifically said, you know, the, the, what their finding was essentially was that you company are pr- stopping this person from being actively employed because your requirement is to give them notice. Uh, and by not giving them notice, by refusing to let them actually work this period, you're actually stopping them from earning this bonus. So we're not going to let, you know, we consider an employee to be employed during the notice, common law notice period as well. And whether they're active or not, they're still an employee and you still have to pay them the bonus as long as the bonus date falls within the notice period. Oh, I get it. Okay. Blame, it I mean, the it just it seems kind of a sneaky thing, and I'm, like you said, I'm sure you see this all the time, pr- practically every week. Like mm-hmm. it seems like a really obvious yet sneaky thing for a company to let somebody go, especially based on a bonus or commission payment. Oh, look, just about due. Out you go. I mean, come on, guys, it's a little <laughs> obvious, right? Well, 
I can tell you, I was speaking to a colleague today who was at a mediation with a with a mediator and his client was a salesperson and his client was adamant that the reason that they fired him was that he had done too good a job, built up too good a pipeline and they no longer needed him. And he was making too much money. And the mediator went into the other room, came back and told my told the client, yep, you're 100 percent right. That's exactly why they let you go. You built up the pipeline. They didn't need to pay you what they were paying you anymore, and they were just going to find someone cheaper to do it. Now, there's nothing illegal about that, but there certainly are some morally ethical questions going on there. Yeah, yeah. You're doing a great job. Awesome. Thanks. Leave. <laughs> we don't want you anymore. That's nice. Uh, Whitney's uh, coming up now. Well, again, the uh, sorry. Go ahead, man. What are you going to say? Yeah. Well, this is why we we tell people all the time, right, John, that this isn't a business relationship. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as people may seem in that relationship at the end of the day, when it comes down to money, they're going to look out for themselves. And, you know, as employees and our clients, that's what we we tell people to do all the time as well. You got to look out for yourself. Whitney's um, up next is uh, Stan, I was terminated. And I believe it's because my manager hates me and forced the company to get rid of me. Can she do that? Well. Yeah, outside of any like a situation, John, where you're dealing with again something that's discriminatory. Let's say the manager didn't like Whitney because of some element that is discriminatory. Then of course they cannot do that, you know. And that's discrimination, whether the company knows what the manager is doing, frankly or not. That's discrimination. Oftentimes, though, in my experience, it, it's not really that that type of situation that you're dealing with. It's much more, you know, just two people who can't seem to work together and don't like each other and you know in a workplace there's no requirement for people to get along and sometimes sometimes when a person has power over you and you know they don't get along with you they're going to take steps to actively try to terminate you uh that's again it's one of those things that there's nothing illegal about that but it it's a morally questionable thing to do to somebody and to their livelihood and the question always comes down to severance in that case, right? We, you know, you and I have said before, as as completely moronic as it sounds, you go into work the next day, they don't like you wearing a red shirt. We don't like red shirts. We're getting rid of you. That's the reason why. It probably would never happen, but if you get full and proper compensation, they can do that, right? I guess this would be a similar thing uh, with Whitney if she was paid properly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an excellent point you bring up because a lot of people, when they think of discrimination, what you described as is clearly discriminatory, right, John? I mean, you're discriminating against me because I don't like red shirts or I, I'm wearing a red shirt. Well, the reality is disc- our discrimination laws are tailored spe- to specific types of discrimination. They don't right. protect every single ground. And so in that scenario, even though it's discriminatory, yeah, it's perfectly legal. And as long as they pay you what you're owed, uh, they're allowed to terminate you for that reason. A lot of the stuff we talk about on this show every week, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, guys, you can reach out to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. The website's free. It's anonymous. It was built to educate you. You will have access as well to the severance calculator, which does what it's uh, meant to do since day one years ago, and that is calculate your severance simply and quickly. It gives you a good ballpark figure, a pretty accurate figure, actually. After you put in a few uh, pieces of information, again, that is absolutely free. It's been used by millions of Canadians across the country, so check it out. Tucked right in there at uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Okay, read your up next, pals. Fellas, love the show. I work in security and have been working at the same condo for over 20 years. During that time, there have been three property management companies whom I've worked for, with the last one coming in about two years ago. 
They're now terminating me and treating me as if I only had uh, been employed there for two years. Do they have to consider my years of service with the other companies, i.e. 18 years, I guess, right, Stan? Yeah. Uh, so even if you don't, for, take away the fact that it's a building services provider for a second, because that's actually a special uh, special designation under mm. the statute that actually covers situations exactly like this, that require the buyer to recognize service. You know, in any situation where you're dealing with sale of assets, uh, there's always a, a genuine question, you know, as to whether the the employee who's coming with the assets has their years recognized or not. Uh, in most instances where you're, you know, there's nothing explicitly stated. There's no contract that calls you a new employee, says what their terms are, et cetera. You know, the presumption is going to be that the years of service come along with the employee. That's what ultimately, that's the sure. reason that the, yep. the buyer is hiring the employee. It's because of their years of experience doing the job. So they don't need to hire someone new and train them up uh, to do what this person's already capable of. Uh, and, and that's the working presumption. Now that is, in this particular instance, as I mentioned, there's actually special provisions within the, uh, the statute that deal with building service providers and, and specifically say that the new one has to recognize uh, the previous service. But that should apply, that also applies as a general rule, which can be rebutted. Right. Want to get to a uh, phone call here, bounce over uh, between the emails. Hey, Joel, thanks for hanging on for a moment, pal. How are you? Not by yourself. Loving it. What's your question? I'm just wondering, I just recently got uh, terminated, and uh, it's, it says on my employment contract that uh, I can be fired anytime. Uh, without uh, within three months uh, with cause, but I was fired without cause. What does that mean? So, so am the, I still the severance now or what? So you you worked there for how long, Joel? You said within the three month period. Yes, just under the three month okay. period. You have so to look at the my, language specifically. In my contract, that uh, it's uh, three three uh, three months. Uh, they can fire me with with cause. And then mm-hmm. the so what that means is that the, if that's all, if it's written in with those exact words, then that all that says is that they can fire you if you did something so egregious uh, that they at law don't owe you money. Uh, and so if you're saying that they came to you and said, we're firing you without cause, let's say that language yeah, doesn't apply because it, frankly, my termination letter says without yeah. cause. Yeah, then then that probationary clause based on its exact wording doesn't apply uh, and you're still owed some severance. It's going to be based on obviously the fact that you were there for two months and some weeks, I'm guessing, but you know, you're still owed something. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also a reprisal because I called in the ministry of labor. That's why. Ah, okay. What did you, what did you call the ministry of labor about? Uh, No potable water. Uh, It was during the COVID. COVID uh, so an, un- unsafe. and uh, there was no potable water. There was no hand sanitization in that for the drivers. How long ago did this happen? Uh, the the winter of 2021. Okay, well, yeah, well keep in mind, you only have two years to do anything. Uh, and so, first of all, with, when it comes to the reprisal, you should act on that very quickly because, you know, that is probably the bigger aspect of your claim. Uh, if you've only been there for two and a half months or so, you're not going to be entitled to a massive amount of severance. 
But if they reprised against you because you told the ministry that they had an unsafe work environment, uh, that's a significant issue and can actually amount to far more than the severance that you're owed. Oh, there you go. Joel, no, his, his line's done. Uh, Joel, here's uh, here's the deal. We're going to move on, but I can, uh, I can give you the number to uh, reach out to Stan and his team afterwards and continue that discussion, which you're going to want to do. Uh, when you got uh, got a moment, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred again. Uh, Joel one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Uh, easy one from Tathy here says, guys, my employer refused to give me a raise. Can I quit and use constructive dismissal? Uh, well, yeah, an easy one because unfortunately for Tathy and frankly the rest of us, uh, no one's in- legally entitled to a raise, and no one's legally obligated to give you a raise. So it cannot be a constructive dismissal. Again, a constructive dismissal means they're breaching the terms of your contract. Uh, if you're not entitled to a raise, it can never be a breach of contract. Thomas says, uh, guys, I had an argument with my boss because he refuses to pay us during our lunch break. Is he allowed to do that? We've heard we've heard this before, paid lunch breaks. We've got about a minute. What do you think, pal? Uh, lunch break. Yeah, so he, the way the law works is you're only entitled to a 30-minute unpaid lunch break for Mm. every five hours worth so unfortunately i mean yes he is allowed not to pay you for your lunch break and thomas that will be pretty much the last email we got time for tonight appreciate you sending along guys and uh, joel your phone call as well here's how you reach stan all of you and anybody uh, moving forward if you'd like to have that discussion on your own 1-855-821-5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca Yes, it is a boogie wonderland, and it's a confusing one. So reach out anytime and check out that pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next time right here on the Employment Law Show.